good to see you. Yeah, this is, this is uh, Tim's favorite season. He loves the cold. He loves it. I don't think he does, but I say he loves it. He doesn't love it. Well, good to see you. I wasn't sure who we were going to see but because of the weather and uh, the Packers. Where do the Packers play today anyways? They play, they play Lambeau? Oh, it's one game I would not want to go to. It's going to be a little nippy. Christmas is around the corner. Start inviting your friends to our candlelight service. People are just waiting to hear an invitation. So start inviting them. And, you know, if you invite 10, 12 people, maybe two or three would want to come. So start inviting. Start inviting. What if I told you I'd give you $1,000 for every person you brought to the candlelight service to hear the gospel? Okay? Some of you would fill the church up. Okay? Let's pretend. <laughs> oh, boy. Blessed are those who are involved in the shoveling ministry. That's what I say. All right. So I'm, I'm thinking about a message or messages to preach just prior to Christmas. And I don't want to do the usual type Christmas, pre-Christmas messages. So I believe the Lord left, led me to this type of a message. And I believe it's a, it's a type of a pre-Christmas message. But I believe it'll be a, a message of encouragement. <clears throat> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this wonderful time when we can uh, come together, worship you, hear your word, and enjoy each other's fellowship along with the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for being with us. You say you're, we're two or more gathering your name, you'll be in the midst of us, and we believe this, and thank you. God, I pray that this message would be an encouragement to my friends. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, mathematician, Professor David Williams at the University of Newcastle wrote this about Jesus Christ and prophecy. I read this and I said, oh my, what an encouragement. This is great. Now listen carefully what he wrote. He said, the reason why prophecy is an indication of the divine authorship of Scripture and hence a testimony to the trustworthiness of the message of the Scriptures is because of the minute probability of fulfillment. Anyone can make predictions, he wrote. Having those prophecies fulfilled is vastly different. In fact, the more statements made about the future and the more the detail, then the less likely the precise fulfillment will be. For example, what's the likelihood of a person predicting today that the exact city in which the birth of a future leader would take place well within the 21st century? This is indeed what the prophet Micah did 700 years before the birth of Messiah. Further, what is the likelihood of predicting the precise manner of death that a new unknown religious leader would experience a thousand years from now, a manner of death precisely unknown and to remain unknown for hundreds of years. Yet, this is what David did 1,000 years before Christ. 
Again, what is the likelihood of predicting the specific date of the appearance of some great future leader hundreds of years in advance? This is what Daniel did 530 years before Christ. He goes on to write, If one were to conceive 50 specific prophecies about a person in the future whom one would never meet, just what's the likelihood that this person would fulfill all 50 of these predictions? How much less would this likelihood be if 25 of these predictions were about what other people would do to him and were completely beyond his control? For example, how does someone arrange to be born in a specific family? How does one arrange to be born in a specific city in which their parents actually didn't live? How does, how does one arrange their own death, and specifically by crucifixion, with two others, and then arrange to have their executioners gamble for his clothing? How does one arrange to be betrayed in advance? How does one arrange to have um, executioners carry out the regular practice of breaking the legs of the two victims on either side of you, but not your very own legs? Finally, how does one arrange to be God? And how does one escape from a grave and appear to people after having been killed? He ends by saying, indeed, it may be possible for someone to fake one or two of the Messianic prophecies, but it would be impossible for any one person to arrange and fulfill all of these prophecies. I read that and thought, this is so true. It makes such sense. How could that be? Only God could make it be. For example, and uh, in the book of, uh, in the, just look at prophecies and the fulfillment. Just in the book of Isaiah, it's so specific. I'm going to go through just some of these. The Messiah, he would, be, he would be born of a virgin, okay? And then the fulfillment, Mary, Mary uh, uh, Jesus was, was, um, was born, um, he was born of a virgin, and her name was Mary. Um, another one is, uh, we will have, he, will ha- he, will, he will have a Galilean ministry. The fulfillment. Um, his ministry began in Galilee. Of the, I, just, I, think, I think I made a mistake there of the Gentiles. I don't know if that's really true. I don't think so. Next one is, will be an heir to the throne of David. And uh, we find the fulfillment. He was given the throne of his father, David. Luke 1, 20, 32 and 33. The Messiah will have, his, will have his way prepared. The fulfillment uh, was announced by John the Baptist. Now, we're just starting on these. Um, another prophecy, uh, he will be spat on and struck, Isaiah 50, verse 6. The fulfillment is he was spat on and beaten in Matthew 26, 67. It's phenomenal how these have, how these have all come to pass. Uh, another one, um, he will be exalted. Um, the fulfillment uh, was he was highly exalted by, by God and the people, Philippians 2, 9, and 10. Another one is he will be disfigured by suffering. And we see the fulfillment was scourged by, was scourged by Roman soldiers who gave him a crown of thorns. Another prophecy from Isaiah 53, 5, um, uh, he will make a blood atonement. And then we find the fulfillment, he shed his blood to atone for our sins. Another one is, he will be widely rejected. The fulfillment, he was, he was not accepted by many. Another prophecy, he will bear 
our sins and sorrows. That's Isaiah 53, verse 4 and 5. And the fulfillment, he died because of our, uh, he died because of our sins, Romans um, 4, uh, 25 and 1 Peter 2, 24 and 25. Next one is, um, he, he will be our, our substitute, Isaiah 53, 6 and 8. Fulfillment, he died in our place, Romans 5, 6 and 8, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. Another prophecy, he will, voluntary, he, will invol- he, he will voluntarily accept our guilt and punishment for sin. And then the fulfillment, Jesus took our sins in John 1, verse uh, 29, Romans 6, verse 10, and 2 Corinthians 5, 21. Another one, the Gentiles will seek him, Isaiah 11, verse 10. And we find the fulfillment, Gentiles came to speak to Jesus in uh, John 12, verse 20 and 21. Uh, another prophecy, he will be silent before his accusers. And we find the fulfillment, he was silent before Herod and his court. Another prophecy, he will save us, um, he would save us who believe in him. And then we find that the fulfillment is he would provide salvation for all who believe. Another one is he will die with the transgressors. It was fulfillment. He was numbered with the transgressors. Another prophecy, he will heal the brokenhearted. And we find the, the, um, the fulfillment. He, um, he healed the brokenhearted in Luke 4, 18 and 19. Another one is God's spirit would rest on him. Isaiah 11:2, and we find a fulfillment. The Spirit of God descended on Jesus. Matthew 3:16, Mark 1:10, and Luke 3, verse 22 and 4, verse 1. Another one is he will be buried in a rich man's tomb. Isaiah 53:9. The fulfillment was Jesus was buried in a tomb of Joseph, the son of Arimathea. Now, the last one I've got here is um, he will judge the earth with righteousness. And the fulfillment was Jesus was given authority to judge. So we look at these, and here's a fact. I look at these facts and say, understanding prophecies helps to produce anticipation. Understanding prophecies help to produce anticipation. Are you with me? When you understand prophecies, it seems like anticipation arises in your heart. Now, I want to turn the boat just a little bit, okay? Actually, more than a little bit today. Anticipation. In the Gospel of Luke, we read of two people who had a great anticipation of actually seeing the Messiah. Not seeing a messianic age, but actually seeing a person, a real, a, a real person who would be the Messiah, In Luke 25, Luke 2, verse 25 to 38. Now, I'm going to give you a running commentary as I read the scripture, so follow along with me. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. Now, his Hebrew name was Shimon. Shimon, who was righteous and devout. Now, it's believed that this guy Shimon, or Simeon, uh, might have been the son of Halil. Who was Halil? He was a man who had, a, who had like a university. He had what they call a yeshiva, um, where you study the scriptures, the Torah, but it was for higher learning. And they believe that he took over for his father. Um, he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, the Bible says. Now, Shimon was waiting for the one who would, who would comfort, who would be a comfort to Israel, a comforter who would deliver Israel 
from the Romans. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. Again, it was not in him, but was upon him. He had been, um, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Question. How did the Holy Spirit reveal that information to him? I have no idea. Maybe it was in a dream. Maybe it was in a still, small voice. I have no idea. But somehow, somehow, that information was revealed to him. Now, moved by the Holy Spirit, he went into the temple courts. Now, the, the part of the temple where public worship was mostly performed, the temple courts. When the parents, when the parents brought the, uh, the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required... So, Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. So I think, what is the custom of the law that was required? Well, in Numbers 18, verse 15 to 16, the Bible says, The firstborn of every mother, whether human or animal, that is offered to the Lord will be yours. But you must always redeem your firstborn sons and firstborn by uh, of ceremonially unclean animals. Redeem them when they are one month old. The redemption price is five pieces of silver, as measured by the weight of the sanctuary shekel, which equals uh, 20 giras. And um, I looked up what, how much is a gira. One gira equals a shekel. Okay? So they were, they were fulfilled. Mary and Joseph took Jesus. He's about a month old. They took him and they took him to the temple to fulfill uh, what... what Uh, the custom of the law. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, now, can you imagine? So here's, it's like Andy and and Jackie taking the baby, um, their baby, to the temple to fulfill the custom of the law. And all of a sudden, this guy, this old guy, walks up and says, give me the kid, I want to hold him. And Jackie goes, no way. Most mothers would go, no way. Now, I don't know what the conversation was between Simeon and Mary and Joseph, but whatever the conversation was, they gave, they gave this one-month-old baby to this, this old guy to hold. So Simeon took him in his arms and and praising God said, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation. He's looking at this one-month-old baby, probably holding him up and says, My eyes have seen your salvation. Looking at the little baby. Infant, Yeshua, Jesus, which you have prepared in sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Now, in the Amplified Bible, it says, a light for revelation to the Gentiles to disclose what was before unknown and to bring praise and honor and glory to your people Israel. The child's father, 
That's his legal father. And mother marveled at what was said about him. Now, I thought about that. Both Joseph and Mary knew that the baby was conceived supernaturally. So they marveled at like confirmation of what's been going on in their lives, even with the birth of the, of the child. When Simeon blessed them, then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to, to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. In the NLT, in the NLT version it says, Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, but he will be a joy to many others. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of the hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce, pierce your very soul. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phineel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived uh, with her husband 70 years after her Seven years after her marriage, I can't read, and then was a, and then was a widow until she was um, eighty-four. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them, all that at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. Well, today I'm not going to talk about Anna. Today I want to talk about Simeon, and next week I'll talk about Anna. But can you imagine that trip to the temple? Who? All of a sudden, this guy, this old guy, he, he looks, looks at your baby and calls him salvation. And then Anna, and then Anna, right away, right after, soon after that, approaches Mary and Joseph about, about the baby that you're carrying. What a trip, what a trip to the temple. The scriptures tell us that Simeon was waiting for comfort. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Simeon wasn't an ordinary Jew. He was a righteous Jew from the city of Jerusalem. Now, let me tell you, uh, it says from the city of Jerusalem. What does that mean? That has actually significance. Because I don't think things have changed in the many, 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 in, in thousands, in a couple thousand years. When you go to Jerusalem... It's, it's a very religious city. In fact, you'll find, um, in, uh, for us that have been to, we, that we've been to Israel, we notice that in Israel is where we, you see these very religious Jews, the, the Hasidic Jews, and they, wear the black, they like wearing black coats, and they wear these funny-looking hats, and they fulfill the scriptures where you're, you don't cut the, the sides of your beard, nor the... the, um, the uh, Whatever it is. it's called, the payases right here, and they kind of curl. They look funny, but this is what they do. And so, but you find them only in Jerusalem. The very ultra religious are in Jerusalem. The devout are really in Jerusalem. The further you go from Jerusalem, it seems like the more secular it becomes. So, the Bible mentions that he's from, he's from um, Jerusalem, 
He was not an ordinary Jew. He was, he was righteous from the city of Jerusalem. He was known to be devout in his relationship with God and lived prayerfully um, in, in anticipation for the, for, the, for, the, for the help, for the consolation of his people. In the time of Simeon, or um, rather Shimon, uh, things were not doing well for the nation of Israel. Well, when were they going good for them? Not, not too many, there are not too many eras that they were. Uh, they, had, they, they had lost their independence and were living in fear of the cruel King Herod. And most pious Jews were, were beginning to question if Messiah would ever come. A lot of them quit, they quit, they quit believing that Messiah would come. And they did believe in a personal Messiah. When was he going to come? Simeon had a good reason for his anticipation. Because the Holy Spirit revealed to him that he would not die before he had seen the Messiah of Israel. He would not die till he saw the salvation of Israel. He was, it was in his heart. He knew that he knew that he knew that God told him this. So he waited in anticipation. Simeon's anticipation was was focused on the consolation, the comfort that Messiah would bring. Comfort. Would you agree with me that, that, that the desire to be comforted is a universal human need? To be comforted. I don't care what country you come from. Everybody seeks comfort. And that's why I can say we all, at one time or another, we look for comfort because we feel we need comfort. Because sometimes we struggle with, with discomfort, the feelings of emptiness, loneliness, insecurity, even depression. The Holy Spirit prompted Simeon to go to the temple courts at just the right time, on just the right day, that Mary and Joseph were bringing their infant to the temple. When Simeon looked at, the, at baby Jesus, now he was about a month old, he knew that God's promise had been kept. Here was Emmanuel. Here was God with us to make everything right. Here was salvation. And the elimination of rejection, fear, loneliness, comfort. In verse 28, the Bible says that Simeon reached down and took Jesus out of Mary's arms and began to praise God. Simeon then broke into praise. He acknowledged that God had not only fulfilled the individual promise to him, but also the promises of the prophets to send the anointed one, to be salvation and comfort for both Jews and Gentiles. What a story. What a trip to the temple. My mind would be blown. I wonder how long they were talking about that. You know, Mary and Joseph probably stopped at Starbucks on the way back, and they probably had a good conversation about what went on. Can you believe what happened? And sitting at Starbucks in those days, Joseph probably said, stuff has been happening like this ever since I've been dating you. 
All kinds of weird things. She says, weird? You calling me weird? No, weird things happen to you like you getting pregnant and you're still a virgin. That is weird. See, right off the bat, we see salvation. Comfort. Not only for the people of of Israel, but the people of the world. The people of the world. God's always loved the world. He just happened to come to the Jews first. He he picked a tough group to go to. Kind of a stiff-necked group. If I was God, I'd go to the Chinese. I wouldn't go to the Jews. I'd go to the Chinese. They're they kind of step in line easier. The Jews, they're always arguing. In John 3, 16, For God so loved the world, the world, that's the cosmos, that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So Simeon picks up this baby... And this baby is the one who's going to give eternal life to everyone who believes. What a day! 2 Peter 3.9 The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God is a patient God. He's patient. We lose our patience. God doesn't lose his patience. God wants your family and friends to be saved. He wants them to be saved, to come to salvation. But we give up. We are impatient. We stop inviting. We stop talking about the good things of God. The will of God is that everyone come to repentance. And God is patient. In 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen to this. The Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. You know, you got troubles. You got troubles of all different kinds. Troubles. You go to God, and He gives you a comfort. You experience the comfort of God and then you can go to others and comfort them who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God in any trouble because you know the God of comfort and so you direct them to the God of comfort and God comforts. Some of, you have, some, some of you, some of us, have gone through some really difficult, good, difficult times. I'm telling you, difficult times. Some of us have gone through things and you say, how could anyone be comforted with what you've gone through? But you know, with hindsight, we can look back and say, you know, God did comfort. I got through it. I'm stronger because of it. 
I see God's hand in the comfort that he gave us, that he gave me, the encouragement he gave me. And I want to tell you something. That same comfort is there for you. In Isaiah 9, 6, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace in Hebrew is Sar Shalom. Sar Shalom. And it's the Sar Shalom who is the God of all comfort, who wants to comfort us in all our troubles, which includes our feelings of emptiness, loneliness, insecurity, and even depression. Tis the season to be jolly. Fa-la-la-la-la. Why are there so many people depressed in this season? Traditionally, Christmas season is a, is a moneymaker for professional counselors. People are depressed. They feel bad. Some of us don't have our parents around anymore. We're orphans. It's, it's sad. Christmas isn't quite the same without our parents. Some of us live very far from family members, and we just can't be together for one reason or another. And it's sad. You know, you want it to happen, but you can't. It just can't happen. Some of us would like to buy certain gifts. We just can't afford it. You know, we just feel, some of us just feel empty, lonely. Even insecure in this, in this season. So if you're feeling that way, like Simeon, you need to earnestly go to God in prayer and allow Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace, to comfort you from these feelings. Feelings of emptiness, loneliness, insecurity, depression, etc., etc., etc. The Prince of Peace, the God of Comfort. I'll tell you, if there's ever a time to pray, I mean pray in English, pray in the Holy Spirit, to pray, it's a season like this. Don't let yourself get depressed. Pray, pray, pray. Come in the presence of God. Let the Prince of Peace do what he wants to do within you. The God of comfort to do what he wants to do within you and comfort you. Yeah. Sar Shalom, Prince of Peace. Joy to the world. Listen. We serve a God who wants to minister to us, I think, more than the ministry that we want from God. Because we don't go out, we don't go to the to God enough. We don't go to him enough. 
I recently read a book by John Revere called The Holy Spirit. And uh, in the Gavin's Fellowship, they're going through that book right now. And, and Andy Gavin bought this book for me, and he bought it for all the elders of our church. And it's just called The Holy Spirit. So it sat on my desk for quite a while. And uh, the title didn't want to make me read it. But I took it with me when I went to Israel recently. And when I was there, I read two and a half books. And that was one of the books I read. And it woke me up. What, what Revere wrote woke me up to the presence of the Holy Spirit within me. And picture this. I'm sitting in a coffee shop. And I just got through reading the last page. And I'm, I'm not, I, I'm just, I don't know anybody around me. Yeah, I'm, I'm in a coffee shop in Israel. And so tears are like running down my eyes. And I don't cry real easily. But they're running down my eyes. And I, in my heart, I'm just repenting that I'm not praying as much as I should. I, I, I'm not being around the Holy Spirit like he wants me to communicate with him and so I was just asking God's forgiveness and in my heart and this waitress comes up to me and she says are you all right sir I said I'm all right now and she just went on but it touched me it touched me where down the road here um, I'm going to be talking more about the Holy Spirit and because uh I feel this is a, a leading of God for us. So um, expect that. In the Christmas story, we don't hear about Simeon. We don't hear about Anna. They weren't at the, at the manger. <laughs> the wise men weren't there neither, but somehow they showed up. You know. <laughs> but, um, but actually, Simeon and Anna as far as I'm concerned, are they come right right after the birth of the birth of Christ. About thirty days after. So I'm gonna put them in the picture. I'm gonna put them in the picture. Think of you picking up this baby, looking at him and saying, This is the salvation of the world the salvation of the world and God revealed it to you I believe you'd want to pass it on to other people the information I held the Messiah I know who the Savior is you know who the Savior is you've not held him but he's within, but you've got the spirit of God within you. We need to invite others to come. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So that I'm going to have a, a good salvation message for, for um, a candlelight service. And if you bring the unsaved, I'm going to trust in God that they'll want to receive Christ. So, I'll do my part, you do your part, and God does his part. We're a team. Amen? Amen. Let's all do it. Let's all stand together, please. <clears throat> God wants to bless you.
So please receive this. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Peace. Knowing that you've got the Holy Spirit within you. And God wants to use you. You. To reach the lost. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. I love you a lot.